If you have primary school-aged kids or grandkids, make sure Vision Kids is part of their daily routine. Vision Kids! Vision Kids is a 24-7 online radio stream featuring the ever-popular Adventures in Odyssey. Hi, this is Chris. Welcome to Adventures in Odyssey. Plus other world-class radio dramas, kids' music and friendly voices. G'day, Vision Kids. Vision Kids is streaming now in the Vision app and online at visionkids.org.au. You can also tell your smart speakers to play Vision Kids Radio. If you don't already have the Vision app on your phone or tablet, you can download it for free when you search Vision Christian Media in your app store. Vision Kids. Another way we're helping the whole family look to God daily. Vision Christian Radio is all about connecting faith to life. From inspiring stories about the struggles we all face. To helping you understand the issues going on in the world. To clear and understandable Bible teaching. All peppered with great Christian music. The latest news. And even a few laughs along the way. You're about to experience just a small part of what we do. For the full experience, tune into a Vision Christian Radio FM or AM station near you. Listen online at visionradio.org.au Or download our free app. Asking the question this hour, will our children have faith? Is it all right to just have a she'll-be-right attitude to the way our children grow from strength to strength or not grow from strength to strength when it comes to their Christian maturity? What are your thoughts about Christian faith and the next generation? Well, you'll be able to be part of our conversation this hour. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. You might be particularly interested in children, the next generation, and how they are responsive to the gospel. 1-800-316-316. Our special guest this hour is Dr. Bill Salia. Bill is the principal of YouthWorks College in Sydney. He has an extensive background in children's youth and family ministry. He is concerned to raise up leaders with character and conviction who are faithful to biblical ministry to children and teenagers. Bill Salier is joining us. Hello, Bill. Welcome along to 2020. Hi, Neil. How are you? Nice to be here again. Bill, it is always good to have you on 2020, and we've done this uh, quite a number of times now and uh, just always appreciate your insights into the types of topics that we are talking about. And today, uh, one of those topics that's very close to your heart, because in your role there as principal at YouthWorks College, you're interested in young people. And so young people, the focus of our conversation today, uh, are you optimistic about the future of young people? Uh, I'm always optimistic, uh, Neil, because uh, we serve a great and sovereign God. <laughs> and so uh, that, that uh, is always a cause for optimism because uh, God will continue to work out his purposes. Uh, however, when I look at the, some of the statistics that come out of the various surveys that are done across the country in churches, uh, I'm concerned, and uh, and that's I guess that's the the kickoff point for our conversation today. And that's important because sometimes we rely on our own anecdotal evidence to know what's going on, whether things are good, whether things are bad. But those statistics from surveys and research that people are doing uh, are very very important. If you were if you were pointing to some of the statistics that uh, that might be relevant to our conversation today, I've been mentioning one about. Uh, the majority of parents or more than half of all parents being underprepared uh, to raise their children up in a level of uh, of Christian faith. Are there other statistics that we can point to that, that might demonstrate the issue today? 
Yeah, yeah. The, the, the two big ones for me, and, and one's a very positive statistic, which, which to me highlights the importance of youth and children's ministry, is that regularly across the board we, we get the record that about 80% of people record making a commitment, a first commitment to the Lord Jesus, to Christian faith, before the age of 18. And so this is a really important age uh, for uh, Christian faith. And then it, it drops off remarkably after that. Very hard, statistically speaking, not, 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 not from God's perspective, but statistically speaking, it just looks very difficult for people to come to faith beyond uh, the, the years of 18. Now, that's not impossible, but, but that's the statistic. The one that really alarms me, though, is that uh, from a number of surveys, uh, what, what we find out is that about 40% of young people who start out in the Christian faith will have left it by the age of 18. And there are two big drop-off points that we, uh, we can point to, and, and you, your, your listeners will guess this, they're at the transition points between primary and high school, and then particularly between high school and whatever comes beyond that, whether that's a further study or, or off into the workforce and things like that. But uh, that, that to me is, uh, that, that's, I'm paying attention there. I, I know there's lots of uh, young people that need to hear the gospel and come to faith. Like we, we're in the middle of a big baby boom. But uh, we're also that means we're losing pe- young people from the churches, and uh, and and there within our our sphere of influence, we can actually start to think about uh, what to do better there. Well, there'll be listeners who'd like to contribute to our understanding of how all that looks in practice, and uh, our talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let me just take you back to one of those first statistics you started to talk about, Bill. Uh, the fact that uh, the majority of people come to faith in Jesus Christ before the age of 18. Now, I'm familiar with some of those sorts of statistics as well, and uh, and just from memory, and I don't have them sitting in front of me, but the younger children, like under five, and I think there's a breakdown in between those ages, like under five, under 12, and then under 18, uh, the majority of children are coming to Christ in those earlier years and then yeah, it yeah. seems to sort of drop away once you get over 12 and then once you get to 18. So uh, your thoughts on, on the importance, the value of, of children and reaching children very young? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this is, this is absolutely critical, I think. Uh, I mean, uh, to, to quote the Jesuits, if you give me the child till they're seven, I'll show you the man, <laughs> you know. And uh, I think there's a lot to be said for the, the early influence. Uh, and this, is, this particularly comes right back to the family because it's the family uh, that, uh, in, in which the, the child is, uh, is initially brought up. And, uh, and we, uh, we underestimated our peril, uh, the importance of, uh, of, of families, uh, mothers and fathers, whatever configuration that ends up being, in, uh, in raising their children in the Christian faith uh, right from the get-go. We tend to think maybe young children you know, can't pick it up or whatever and it's better for later because the Christian faith is so complex but as you said the, the, the evidence actually goes the other way that, uh, that children need to be brought up and reared in, uh, in, in, in Christian homes and, uh, and, and talked to from a very we see this right in the Old Testament in fact uh, in, back in Deuteronomy where the child is working alongside the field with their parents and, and they're talking about uh, you know, in that case the Israelite faith but uh, right from the very beginning, uh, the, the, the family is, is actually the first church uh, for the child. Now, that statistic about uh, the parents uh, underprepared to help their children grow in faith, uh, that's an interesting one too and a very important one. And I don't want to get into 
you know, family bashing, parent bashing and, uh, you know, making us all feel very guilty about the way we uh, are prepared. But it is sobering, isn't it, to actually appreciate that that most of us are underprepared to actually do the very basics that will give our children a foundation of faith. Yeah, or, or at least feel underprepared. There's, there's a couple of things going on here, I think. Uh, one, the statistic is that um, most parents will, will happily acknowledge their responsibility, yeah, 80% or so. 50% say that they don't feel prepared by their congregations in, in, in how to nurture uh, and, and raise their children in the faith and, and how to go about actually doing that. And I think the, the statistic, there's another little, little one question that often gets asked in these surveys. When were you last asked by uh, a, you know, a member of your church or your staff how you were going with your parenting? And that falls down to about 5 or 10%. So there's kind of a blind spot here. Maybe we assume that because uh, parents are Christians, therefore they're just getting on with doing that. But if you're like me, it, I, was, uh, I was brought to faith out of a non-Christian background. I had no model at all in my family for what to do with respect to, uh, to the Christian faith, other than take the, the, the child to church and put them through to their first communion at the age of seven, and then they didn't know what to do. And so it was interesting when my wife and I had our children, uh, we, were, we were kind of fishing around, what do we do as Christian parents? Now, some of the answers are quite simple. Uh, you know, read the Bible at dinner and pray and all those kind of things. And, and, and kind of obvious probably to many of your listeners, but, but not immediately obvious if you haven't had that, that background. And so uh, there is a case in which we, 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 we tend to assume maybe the parents know what they're doing, but, uh, but maybe we just need to have a, open the conversation and say, you know, this works for me in my home uh, and, and this is what I do and, and this is the, the, the problems, these are the, the joys that come with all this. Get that conversation going about how we can, uh, you know, bring our children up in the fear and the nurture of the Lord. That's really, really powerful stuff because when we talk about uh, being unprepared and you say it's probably more like feeling unprepared because a lot of the preparation that you do do in laying those foundations is super, super simple. It's not hard at all. When you talk about uh, reading the Bible, well, you know, you're talking about reading Bible stories uh, for children. Uh, And when you talk about praying, really, you're talking about things like saying grace around the table. Those things are really more like family routines rather than something you need to be especially qualified for. Uh, absolutely right. There, there are no qualifications for this other than you're a parent with children. Uh, and so, you know, one of the practices uh, our, our family has done, and again, this is, uh, you know, listening to other people and, and modelling off that, was reading the Bible with our children uh, before they went to bed. And, uh, and that just, a little bit of work went into that. We had to choose a Bible that was age appropriate. Uh, obviously, you know, we started off with some of the, the, the younger, simpler Bible stories and then moved up to, you know, a so-called real Bible. Uh, at, uh, at dinner time, uh, and, and here is here is an interesting thing. Of course, is, is how many families today actually have a meal together. Uh, one of the uh, one of the, I think one of the parenting is often you feel like it's full of losses. I think one of the wins <laughs> my wife and I consider in our own uh, relationship and, and family life is that we we pretty consistently manage to have uh, family meals together five six nights a week over the course of our children growing up. Now that's all. Uh, starting to deteriorate now because our girls are in their 20s and you know moving off but even so we're still trying to get together as a family once or twice a week and in that context it's a it's a simple prayer and and then who knows where the conversation leads uh, as as the church goes and and then then there's more but as you say that the basics bible reading and prayer 
attending church with your children. These are all just family practices and disciplines which, which take us a long, long way. Well, we want to open our talkback lines today, 1-800-316-316. You can be part of our conversation. In fact, uh, Bill, let's take some calls. Let's hear from Steve in Parks in New South Wales. Hello, Steve. Welcome along to 2020. Yeah, thanks for taking me call and thanks for having me on your program. God bless you. It's a pleasure having you on the program, Steve. And a wonderful yeah. Christmas to you and your listeners. Thank you very I much. actually get in this 24-7 economy I hope you get time out to spend with your families. I think we're we're planning along that line and uh, trying to juggle some things here. But well, I hope it comes through. But the reason I ring you, uh, brother Neil and brother Bill, and I'd be very interested to hear brother Bill's opinion on this, is I uh, a fortnight ago I come across an article in a, a a large newspaper, and the headline was "God, Queen, and Country to be Dumped by the Scouts." Uh, and words like, um, uh, oh gosh, what was the word used um, uh, for for kids to be cheerful and thrifty are set to be axed, uh, which was noted in this article. It appeared in the, the Sunday Telegraph, written by their journalist Linda Silmalis. Uh You can actually go on an online poll uh, conducted by the Daily Telegraph at their website, and you can vote. Should reference. To God be removed from the scouts. Steve, are, am I taking it? Are you a former scout? Uh, no, no, but I still think it's a great organisation. And uh, so far as I'm aware, it does have uh, deep Christian roots, the scouting movement. But when uh, you read, uh, and I put this to both to you, the headline read, and I quote, I'm looking at a copy of the article, God, Queen and Country to be dumped by the scouts by Linda Silmalis, S-I-L-M-A-L-I-S. Okay, let's get some thoughts from Bill Salia. Bill, uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the scouting movement, but uh, your thoughts on those yeah. values, those concepts being dropped. Yeah, I started out as a, as a cub and uh, had, a, had a brief uh, foray into the scouts. I think, I think that the point being made uh, by the listener was Steve, wasn't it, uh, that, uh, that what, what we're seeing here is just another symptom of the, the way that our society is slowly but surely moving away from its Christian moorings and, and, and rejecting those and turning back on them. So uh, that, to me, I guess my response is, uh, is, is twofold. Uh, one, uh, that's sad. Of course that's sad because uh, that means that uh, that's an indication to me of how uh, the, the gospel is being lost in Australian society generally and, uh, and people are no longer seeing the Christian faith as, uh, as relevant. And, uh, and I guess my second response there is to say that, well, in, in time, uh, there's, there's going to be a, an opportunity again, perhaps, to, to talk to a generation that knows not the Lord at all and has no baggage. And there may be a, a great opportunity there. But in the meantime, uh, the onus from, from a Christian point of view falls even more strongly, I would have thought, on the family to be, be doing the work that often other institutions were supporting. And the family, uh, the Christian family, is increasingly getting isolated from organisations like the Scouts and others that we used to be able to support that work by creating a world in which, uh, you know, uh, God was, uh, was, was, was real and relevant. I'm not saying that he's not therefore, but we're living increasingly in a world, of course, that, that sees that God is, uh, is distant at best, uh, irrelevant at worst, and, and worse, of course. So I'd see that uh, as, uh, yeah, one, very sad, but also just in terms of our conversation here, Neil puts greater emphasis on, on the family to really make up that gap, which is 
appearing and widening all the time in our world. Steve from Parks in New South Wales, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. Our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, let's hear from Stephen in Dolby in Queensland. Hello, Stephen. Welcome along to 2020. Uh, g'day. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, one of the things I think that is important not only is the importance of doctrinal understanding the scriptures, but I think there's also a great need of input from the from the church leaders to give apologetic sort of stuff uh, regarding our faith, because a lot of times people just refer to the Bible. They don't know the rich resources that are available to people to know that we have a valid uh, faith, uh, whether it be with the scriptures, whether it be... Uh, historical events that needs to be a greater input on understanding because we're told to give reason for what we believe and sometimes if you just rely on just the scripture not saying that God's word's not powerful in of itself and nothing else that people think well how do you know that's true and if you if you can't back that up with some relevant uh, information that is valid then you know it's easy for people to grow up and walk away from the faith if they think, oh, well, there's nothing to support it and we need that input of valid information coming through on things like how reliable the scriptures are, how how it fits in historically, uh, if you understand with what I'm saying with the apologetics sort of stuff. Stephen, great points there. And uh, Bill Salir, a former vice principal at Moore Theological College and uh, took over as principal at YouthWorks early this year. That would be right up your uh, line there, Bill. Uh, You'd probably be uh, celebrating the idea of parents knowing a whole lot more and understanding the resources. Uh, What are your thoughts about what Steve's sharing? I think Stephen makes an, makes an excellent point. And, uh, and again, this is uh, part of the, the, the issue of, of dealing with children. Uh, at, at some point, children are very happy with a, with a simple answer. But as they uh, grow and mature, uh, you want to do exactly what Stephen's doing uh, and is, is saying, is, is, is giving reasons. It's always, uh, you know, children always go through that why phase and it's very easy just to say because and be done with it. But to actually give the reason for the hope that you have as parents uh, behind the, the faith and then the responsibility of the churches to equip parents to be able to do that, uh, that will just have enormous benefits because it's not only children, of course, that need that kind of reasoning. It's the uh, the, the people who uh, don't know the Lord yet that have all those questions and, and need them answered. We've really got to be uh, working at, uh, at doing that. One of the interesting uh, kind of statistics, again, that comes out of the research is that one of the reasons uh, that uh, often young people give uh, for not... Um, uh, staying in the faith is issues like uh, you know, conflict over sexuality or historicity, as Stephen mentioned, not being able to uh, not only get answers to those questions, but also having their questions uh, shut down. And so uh, there's, a, there's a real case for understanding that children and youth are naturally inquisitive. They do have these kind of questions that require exactly the kind of apologetic responses that Stephen uh, has suggested, but they need to have the freedom to be able to uh, to ask them and then to discuss and to push back and, and that whole dialogue thing that comes in. And again, I'm going back to the family table where, where this can start to take place within the safety of the family and then kind of move out. But uh, Stephen makes an excellent point. Asking the question this hour, will our children have faith? 
do you take a she'll be right mate attitude? What are your thoughts about the Christian faith and the next generation? Well, our talk back line open one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Dr. Bill Salier, our guest, principal of YouthWorks College in Sydney. Bill, let's continue to take some calls. Mary is in Tennyson in South Australia. Hello, Mary. Welcome along to twenty twenty. Hi. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Very well, Mary. What are your thoughts on our topic this hour? Well, by the grace of God, I'm at the other end now. My children have grown up and they're married and I have grandchildren. And I just can't emphasize the power of prayer, teaching your kids to pray and letting the watch you pray. I mean, because of, I was married, but my ex-husband wasn't really there for the children. So I made sure that they were in... Um, had fellowship with spiritual leaders like their youth pastors, their teachers, sort of, sort of to make up that they couldn't get from their father. They got it from like um, a spiritual father, so to speak, an earthly father, but a person who knew the Lord. And that was priceless because every time there was a Bible study, Sunday morning, Sunday night church, the children would come with me up until the age of 18. And when they were little, it was like bring the pillows, bring the cushions, something to read and write at night time so they were there so that that was something that I was able to do and thankfully my ex-husband didn't stop me from doing that but what I had to do was find time to pray so I used to go in the toilet (laughs) and early in the morning and my kids knew that and they would not disturb me now down the line my kids are now in their 30s they're doing the same thing they're playing in the toilet <laughs> so <laughs> it's become a spiritual routine <laughs> yeah. but yeah the power of prayer and of course every mother's prayers and fathers would be that their children marry um, godly partners and by the grace of god my children have and now they're raising their kids um, in a similar way that i was able to raise them and Mary, let's get some thoughts from Bill Salia. Yeah, Bill, what are your sure. thoughts on what Mary's sharing? Yeah, what wonderful testimony, Mary, and, and, and a couple of points. One, uh, the, the the habits and, and the modelling that you did in your family has been copied by your children, and that's exactly what happens, which which again puts to the importance of uh, of, of families and practices, particularly what they're doing. And secondly, that the what you're saying about prayer, it's, it's interesting. The uh, I've read a, an, or heard of a number of biographies recently. Uh, Don Carson, the, the famous Bible teacher, is one of them. Where his his strong memory is of his father's footsteps pacing up and down in his bedroom upstairs, and he knew that he was praying for his you know, congregation as a pastor or whatever it was. And so, uh, just the, uh, the the powerful effect it is of your children. Uh, not only hearing your prayers, but also seeing you pray. Yes. Uh, that, yes. It's back to that modelling effect that you're talking about, which is uh, just so important. No, I, I think yeah. that's, that's a wonderful yeah. thing to add. And, and the other thing I'd also say is uh, the importance of grandparents in the whole yes. thing. You, you are having now having a ministry to your grandchildren as well as your yes. children and through your children to your grandchildren as well. So I think that's just a wonderful story. Mary, yeah. I've got something special for you. I would like to give you a DVD. Are you uh, open to receive a copy of Steve Grace's oh, Every Town a, Down Under? What a privilege. Thank you so I'll much. I'll tell you about it. It's <laughs> eight award-winning episodes from his TV series uh, covering his 25,000-kilometre road trip around Australia. And so wow. uh, people will be able to purchase that DVD from Vision Christian Store and at everytowndownunder.com and uh, make a great Christmas gift. So it's our Christmas gift to you, Mary, and I'll put you on hold. John will take your details, but uh, congratulations and thanks so much 
for your input you. today here on 2020. Thank you. And God bless you guys. May the Lord just um, saturate you with your, his grace and his love and, and just abundantly flows through you and to others that you touch today. Thank well, you so thank much. you so much, Mary. Yeah, Mary from Tennyson in South Australia. one 316 to be part of our conversation. Let's continue to take some calls. Bob is in Capalabar in Queensland. Hello, Bob. Welcome along to 2020. Oh, hello. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, Bob. Yep, we've got you. Yeah. Oh, I was surprised I got on so early. Um, I'm just uh, been an avid uh, follower and listener of your program for quite some time, and I, <clears throat> I've been on the internet this morning um, looking at uh, various religious things and early Christian history. I've been looking at the Nag Hammandi uh, um, scriptures and things like that, and I come across a um, a um, um, a, a book on prophecy online that mentions the uh, global warming deception book. Right. And um, uh, this is backed up by um, Lord Monckton, who I, I have a DVD of, uh, who thinks it's the greatest hoax of the 20th century or 21st century now. And uh, it's rather uh, prophetic, I think, really, because most of us in society, I feel uh, mainly due to television, have been dumbed down. And uh, we're just thinking of material things in life and things like that. And um, Bob, you know, I think you've got some good points there and uh, perhaps not quite on topic for what we're talking this hour, but uh, just the last hour you'll be reflecting on my conversation there with Jenny Stokes with regard to what's happening in Paris and, uh, and they're very, very concerning things there with the formation of of what uh, many people are talking about as a global government, or at least those uh, preliminary things that set together a global economy and uh, the idea of signing away national sovereignty so that uh, there could be uh, all sorts of uh, decisions made on our behalf by a ruling elite. Uh, those sorts of things are pretty disturbing. And uh, But I want to thank you so much, Bob, for your input today here on 2020, and uh, do keep on listening. 1-800-316-316 is our number if you'd like to be part of our conversation. And we're talking through the issue this hour, will our children have faith? When we talk about uh, families uh, doing things, uh, getting routines, making changes, uh, churches churches get routines and they need to make changes too if they're not meeting the needs of their community. Yeah, no, no, totally. And, uh, and again, to go back to that picture of the car park, uh, one of the, the, the classic uh, kind of pictures is uh, the family arrives in the car park, everyone gets out of the car, and then they go in three different directions. Uh, so, you know, the adults go into the service, the children go off to uh, Sunday school, and the, the teenagers go off to youth. Then they do all their, their bit, and then they come back together at the end. Now, have they gone to church together? Uh, the answer is no. And, uh, and one of the interesting, again, f- figures that come out of the statistics is, and, and I think that the Catholics have probably been a bit of ahead of the game on this, is actually having children in the meeting and, uh, and, and making the service, what I would say is intergenerational, all generations together, uh, is a really powerful way of, of helping children to see that, that church is for them. And we often think, oh, well, Sunday school is for you and church is for adults. But, but no, there is a sense in which uh, let's, uh, let's think about uh, children being involved in the services, in the meetings, 
much more than perhaps they are. Some churches have children in for five minutes and a song and then off they go. Or, you know, but, but how do we actually integrate children into the life of the church? Children are often talked about as the future of the church. Well, no, they're actually the present of the church. They're there as disciples and, and ready now. Should, they could be on the visiting or the welcoming roster. They could be on the prayer roster. They could be, you know, sharing in the singing. They could be joining in the Lord's Supper uh, in terms of, um, you know, presentation, taking, and, and so on. So how do we actually engage children in, in the meeting, which is the centre of what we do? Well, that's a powerful point, and listeners might like to reflect on that because uh, the idea of taking children out, and they might have their own Sunday school or children's church, and uh, everyone thinks that's what the kids will love, and uh, everyone thinks that's what the parents will love too because uh, they don't have to keep kids quiet or or uh, you know, or explain things uh, during church, and you think that everybody's win-win if, if you do that. But what you're saying, it might be a little bit more difficult. It might take a little more planning, but the way to do it is actually to experiment with this idea of having the children in church with you. Yeah, and, and the, the extreme end of this, and I'm not, not recommending this, but there are, there are some churches now experimenting with having uh, no Sunday school, no youth programs. It's, it's only a, an all-age meeting. Now, there's lots, of, and you can immediately, I'm starting to think, my heavens, all the problems that come with that. But, uh, but there, there is, I'm talking to a couple of pastors who are uh, experimenting on this track. Now, most probably aren't going to be prepared to go that far. But there, there certainly uh, is room, I think, for creative thinking on our behalf to, uh, to how to engage people. So, for instance, in our church, sometimes we have a, uh, a general prayer session where people are invited from the congregation to offer prayer points. Now, the children are never present for that, but, but why wouldn't they also have prayer points they would like to uh, ask? And we may even find, uh, as the Lord Jesus, uh, yeah, he presented children as a, as a lesson to us of faith, uh, we can learn from children. We don't only teach children, uh, they have something to teach us also about discipleship and the Christian faith. It's a, it's a whole new dimension of kind of thinking that uh, we can perhaps consider. But you wouldn't have to actually change the routine and make it a permanent fixture of church life, would you? That uh, that you'd drop a children's ministry or a youth group just to have everyone in church. You could actually incorporate all of that at different oh. times. You might do that once a month. But it, oh. it's it's some way of actually taking a step to actually make the change that says we're all in this together. Oh, no, absolutely. And, and you know, the, the, the simplest thing, I, I wrote a little just article on this for a magazine the other day is... Um, uh, you know, that, that, that old phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, you know, maybe it takes a church to raise a disciple. And so the, the suggestion here is that, um, that uh, if you think about your church as having a five-to-one ratio of adults to every child in the church, that just means simply people getting to know the name of a child other than your own. Uh, and if you haven't got children there, getting to know the name and just being able to simply greet them by name because there's nothing like being named to know you belong. Uh, and so this is a very simple thing that uh, that people can do is just learn the names of two or three more children, practice them during the week, don't forget. And then when you see them, it's just simply saying, oh, g'day, Johnny, great to see you here. And uh, who knows what may develop from that. Well, powerful thoughts uh, because you don't want to have those children at church to in some ways seem invisible. Uh, let's hear from Graham in Tasmania. Hello, Graham. Welcome along to 2020. Hello, thank you. Look, children need to be taught nurtured from when they first start talking about God and the parents need to be truly Christians and it's need, needed to be done in this time because we've turned the, the whole, it says the later days are falling away falling away from the truth of God 
and children need to be taught about God. Their parents, they need to teach them about the Bible, the stories, and continued on because we, there's no one else to call on because the time is a terrible lot of trouble ahead of us. And uh, I'll just say, love your children. If you love them, you will talk, talk to them and teach them about God because we need to turn to God very much in these last days. Great insights, Graham. Uh, your thoughts, Bill Salia? I, I just simply amen to that. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that, that's exactly what we're talking about. And, uh, and, and again, it's, uh, it's just acknowledging that responsibility, acknowledging that reality, and then, then starting to act on it. And uh, as I say, it's a, it's a whole church responsibility. We, we've been talking a lot about the family, but the church has responsibility to families and also to the children that are in their midst. Thank you so much, Graham from Tasmania. And uh, Graham, while I've got you on the phone, uh, let me give you a gift for Christmas too. Are you uh, open to receive a copy of uh, Steve Grace's Every Town Down Under? If you like, yes. Okay. Well, Graham, uh, I'll put you on hold and and uh, we'll take your details. We'll send you a copy of Steve Grace's uh, DVD. Thanks so much for being part of 2020 today, Graham. Thank you. Well, that uh, DVD, uh, eight award-winning episodes from his TV series covering his 25,000-kilometre road trip. You can get a hold of it at Vision Christian Store. You can also get it at everytowndownunder.com. It'll make a great Christmas gift. Well, just a couple of minutes to go uh, in the lead-up to our news. Uh, Bill Salia, uh, you've got some things going on with uh, the YouthWorks College. Uh, there's one thing that you've... We didn't really get to talk a lot about that transition from high school into university or into the workplace, into careers, but you've got a Year 13 program. Very quickly, what does that mean? Yeah, Year 13 program is a gap year program. So when uh, when children finish uh, high school, uh, or young adults, not children, when young adults finish high school, uh, often they're not quite sure what to do next. And uh, we run a, uh, it's a discipleship program where people come and spend uh, a year with us uh, and uh, they, they do uh, some theological study. The highlight of the trip is a four-week trip to Fiji uh, as a mission trip. They get involved in various forms of Christian service and um, pick up a whole lot of life skills, all in the context of, uh, of a Christian community. Uh, now, this is a Sydney-based program, but we also have remote students. So we've had uh, some students come down from Harvey Bay, up from Tasmania, and even across from Western Australia, and they do it as a block kind of program. So it's, 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 a, it's an Australian-wide program, but it just may help people, uh, young, young people with that transition from high school to, to who knows what, what is going to happen next by taking that year out and doing that. And again, the details of that will be on our website. And it makes it very easy if you've got access to the internet. No matter where you live, you might be in the remotest areas and uh, good to be able to highlight where there are online programs that you can take part in that equip you to do some great things as a parent and as part of your local church and particularly when it comes to children of this generation who need to be raised up with Christian faith and uh, been great talking through these things this hour. Will our children have faith? Let me point people to youthworks.net. That's the website address for uh, getting in touch with uh, Bill Salia, but youthworks.net is that website contact. Uh, Bill Salia, just great getting your insights and a great conversation again this hour. Thanks so much for being with us on 2020. Uh, thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me, and great to uh, hear from all those people who rank. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported.
Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.